Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. talk about today following Jesus. I want to start by saying this, that there's some phrases that have the potential to change every relationship that ends with me, the word me. I don't know if you remember this, but maybe, uh, you know, some of you will have to imagine this because when we were growing up, we didn't have our own iPhone when we were in kindergarten. Amen, everybody? So if we was going to actually communicate with a girl or a guy, we had to write it out. And so we didn't know how to spell, you know, really good in first grade. And shoot, I still don't know how to spell that good. Thank God for spell check. But we would write a little card note that says, I like you. Do you like me? And we'd put a little box there, yes. No, or maybe, right? And then as you got a little older into middle school, again, we didn't have the technology to text people back then. We would have to actually communicate and talk to people. And we would say when we get to middle school or high school, you couldn't drive a car, so you couldn't say, I'm going on a date, or would you date me? So we would use a phrase in our small town, will you go with me. Anybody else use that terminology? Will you go with me? Yeah. Will you go with me? All right, good. That's not just a Georgia thing. I see some California folks said yes. But I, and then, you know, so, and then of course, if you really want to amp it up again, it, this word, that, and this phrase that ends with me is a game changer in relationship because if you drop down on one knee and you said, will you marry me? Woo-wee. The way you answer that question changes everything, right? Because there was no yes, no, or maybe on that one. So what I'm saying, if you said yes, if you said yes to the, even if you was in um, kindergarten, if you said yes, it changed the relationship, right? It's like, woo You know, if you said yes, and when you said, will you go with me, and you're in middle school, and you said yes, and they said yes, it was like, woo and if you got on one knee, and especially now the way people are crazy. I mean, people have, have their whole family come up while they propose. What if they say no? <laughs> or what if you get a fake yes? You know, yes, while well, everybody's watching, but after a while, I'm sorry, I can't do this. But, but so once they say yes, it changes there. It changes. Would you agree with it? It changes. It's like, woohoo, yes, yes. And everybody posts on social media. They said yes. Man, it just makes the relationships always oh, so much. You just dive on in, right? But what if they say no? I can tell you I had a lot of no's. <laughs> I remember being like in the first grade, you know, kindergarten of those years like that, writing those notes, and I remember coming back with a no on it. 
And I can tell you from those, yeah, that was, oh, yeah, that's right. I had a few of those. But you keep asking until you get a yes. And finally, I got a yes, hallelujah. I've been with her a long time. We'll get to that in a minute. But what I, the point I'm making is this, is that the no makes things weird, doesn't it? I mean, after they say no, they say no. You don't want to be around them anymore, do you? I mean, it puts distance between you. Like, oh, it's just weird, you know, like, oh, you don't even want to look at them. Yeah, I mean, like, you might go in the same school with them, but you, don't, you walk around the other hallway. No, you don't want to even be with them, right? You don't even look at them because they rejected you. Or you rejected them. A no makes things awkward. A yes makes things good. Jesus has something that he wants to say to you and to me. And it ends with a me phrase. And the question that he's asking you and me is this. What, he's, what Jesus says to you is this, is will you follow me? Will you follow me? And the way you answer that question is going to be, wow, or oh. Would you agree with that? So it's either going to, it's either, when you say, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you, it just draws you closer in. But if you say no or, or you know, maybe, then all of a sudden it makes things a little awkward and weird. Are you agreeing with me? It makes everything, look what the Bible says here. Matthew 4, this is what Jesus said. Matthew 4, 18. One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew threw a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, and here's what he said. He said, come, what's the next two words? Follow me. What's those two words? Follow me. Follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Those two, those words. The question is, what is Jesus saying? What, what, what is Jesus saying to you? That's the question. And let me say, I'm going to ask that question today. I'm going to say, what is Jesus saying to you? And your answer is those two words are, follow me. So let's try it. You ready? What is Jesus saying to you? Follow me. What is Jesus saying to you? Follow me. Follow me. That's what he's saying to you. That's what he's saying. And the way you answer that question, that phrase, changes everything. Changes everything. The mission that Jesus gave us did not change when, the, when he left. That mission of following him is still today. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means that he still wants us to follow him. I remember, you know, when, when, you, when you're going to follow someone, you've got to know where they're going. When Rhonda and I, uh, you know, when I was 15 years old, I became a Christian. And I remember that summer I went to church, you know, I, I became a Christian. I went to church and then we went on a uh, youth retreat. And, uh, you know, I'd never been on a retreat, youth retreat with a church. I didn't know how to act. I mean, you know, I'm used to being around center people all the time. I knew what we did. We went on our retreats. I had no idea what they did on a youth a church youth retreat. And so we went, the first night we got there, you know, all of a sudden we went around, we did this camping retreat, and there, there was about 40 or 50 people, made a big circle at a campfire there, and they were singing, you know, something, singing, started singing a song like, God is so good, or stuff like that. And I began to, to look, and uh, across that campfire, there was a young lady sitting on a 
stump over there. And she was looking so good. And they were singing how good God was. And I was saying, there is none like you. <laughs> oh, I started. Yeah, I didn't know what they were singing, but I was looking look right across there. And I said, there is none like you. No, no one can do my heart like you do. Mm-mm, she just looks so fine. And I tell you, 38 years later, she still looks fine because she's mine and I am thine. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that that's when Rhonda and I, I connected with each other. We started dating. We dated for four years. And, and, um, but before we got married, we had to talk. Where are you going? Where are you going in life? And so we, the way we answered that question, like, you know, she knew I got, I became a Christian again. Those four years, God began to do some great things in our lives. And, and we knew that God had called us. And I was like, you know, Rhonda's my desire to go be a student pastor. And we talked about that. So she knew where, where I was going and I knew where she was going before we said, I do. Before you're going to follow someone, you got to know where they're going. Amen. Because, listen, let me tell you something. The people that you follow, you will begin to go the direction they're going. And so Jesus wants us to be very, very clear about this. So he, when Jesus tries to get a point across, you know, he teaches these parables, stories. He tells stories to emphasize a spiritual truth. I love teaching like Jesus, telling a story. And so when he said, you know, when he's trying to tell one uh, truth, he'll tell one story. And that, that means, okay, I want you to get this. But if he tells the, teaches the truth and he tells two stories about it, like, I really want you to get this. But if, but if he te- teaches the truth and says, tells three stories about it, that means you better get it. All right, this is important. Get it, get it, get it. And so we find that account in Luke's gospel. Jesus begins to teach us stories to tell us where we're to go and where he's going. Look what it says here. In Luke 15 and 4 through 7, it says this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my what, everybody? I found my lost sheep. And look what Jesus said. Here's the principle. I tell you this, and I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's the story right there. You get the story, the lost sheep. Then we go on to the next one. Look, right after that, he tells another story. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found the what, everybody? the lost coin. I say, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Notice that. It's the lost again. And then he goes right on and tells another one. And this was too long for me to read it. So I'm going to paraphrase it for you. Luke 15, 11. He tells another story about a, a son a son who's like, his dad apparently pretty wealthy and, and he, he's got a farm and all these things. And the son, the, he has, he has a, uh, a son that says, comes to him and said, listen, dad, I'm tired of living by your rules. 
I don't want to, I don't want to live here anymore. I, I want to get out on my own, so give me my portion of the estate. Which really, you know, the dad has to die before you get your portion of the estate. So he really said, I wish you was dead so I could get my money. Ooh, that sounds like today, doesn't it? I wish you were dead so I could get my money. And so the dad goes ahead and gives his money, gives him a portion of his estate. The son takes off, and the Bible says he goes out in some wild living. You know that he had, he had fun as long as he had the money, right? No money, no funny, right? And he's living it up. He has all the friends that he could, he could possibly think of. I mean, they're, they're, they're drinking, drugging, they're doing it all, living it up, the dream. And then the money runs out. And the Bible says this young son finds himself trying to get any old job that he could get. And the only job he could get was what we would call slopping the hogs in the South. He took all the, he would go by door to door and get all the scraps of people that was left on their table. And he would just put it in this bucket and he would take it and feed it to the pigs. And the Bible says he got so hungry, he got so hungry that, that he, he decided that he, he would eat some of that stuff that the pigs were eating. And then while he was eating that, that stuff and the nasty stench of that, he finally come to his senses, the Bible said. He said, aren't the servants in my father's house much better than this? He said, I'm going back to my father's house. And he went back to, as he started back, the Bible says that as he was a long way off, his father saw him and, and he left and his father ran and hugged him and, and said, son, welcome home. And he said, dad, I'm not worthy to be called a son. Just make me a servant. He said, no, 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 you're a son. And the parable is this, is that, is that we've seen the first one was the lost sheep and the second one's the lost corn. This is about the lost son or daughter. And so Jesus told three stories. He said, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow me, you're going to always be looking for the lost. See what I'm talking about? You're looking for the lost. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And so after Jesus says that, you can see his eyes peering to you and me right now. And he has one thing. He, Jesus has one thing. And this is what Jesus is saying to you. What is Jesus saying to you? What is Jesus saying to you? Follow me, follow me. And when you follow me, you're, you're going to be thinking about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son or daughter. When you say, follow me. Now, this follow me stuff, how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, there's two things to do in order to follow Jesus here today. Number one is this, is to stay close to Jesus. Oh, I... Man, I hope you get this today because this is a game changer. We got to get in the game, everybody. Those two guys we started off talking about, remember Simon Peter and Andrew? How that Jesus said to them, you know, hey, come and follow me. Well, we find that, that Simon Peter was following Jesus. Matter of fact, he was one of the big spokesmen, you know. He's like, hey, Jesus, I'll never leave. You count on me. I'm your right-hand man. And he followed closely to Jesus. He was right there. He was that guy until, until the week before Jesus was uh, crucified. Remember how they, when Jesus, they come and arrested him? And then all of a sudden, once they arrested Jesus, all of a sudden we find that the, everything changes. Look what it says in Matthew 26 and 58. It says this, but Peter followed him at a what? 
he followed him at a distance. You might want to circle that. Right up to the courtyard of the high priest, he entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. Now, this is so important. You see, when it wasn't, when it was safe for, when it was safe, when Jesus was popular and it was safe, Simon's right there. Oh, when it's comfortable, he's right there. When he felt secure, he's right there. But now that Jesus has been arrested all the time, he doesn't feel so safe anymore, right? He didn't feel so comfortable anymore. He didn't feel so secure anymore. And so whenever we begin to get, a, following Jesus becomes a little uncomfortable, it's very, very tempting to put a little distance between us and Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Are you hearing this? You got, hey, listen, when, it, when it's good, when it feels good and we got goosebumps, yes, Jesus, we're right here with you. But the moment, the moment that we begin to put distance, the moment that things get a little uncomfortable, the moment they feel a little unsafe, it's very, very easy to put a little distance between us and Jesus. Amen? Amen. And in any relationship, in any relationship, the moment, the moment that you begin to put distance between you and that person, it changes the relationship. Wouldn't you say that? When you don't talk to somebody for six months, it changes the relationship. Amen? When, when, when you're not communicating, when you decide that I'm going to put this, it changes the relationship. And what COVID-19 has done to the church, it's put a little distance in the relationship because see you need the family of God and you need the people of God in your life and whatever the devil can do to get you to separate from the people of God and the family of God because he knows if he can do that he can put some distance between you and Jesus he knows that he's, he's got you and I want to tell you, I believe that the demonic part of COVID-19 was just to do nothing but separate God from his church. But I'm here to tell you that you're a part of a church that we're not going to let you go. We're coming after you, baby. Why? Because we want you to get back close to Jesus. Amen? You say... Why? Why do you keep? Why do you keep talking about growth track? Why? Because growth track keeps you accountable to staying connected to the family of God. That you don't put distance between you and Jesus. Why do you keep talking about doing these groups? Why would you write a book, Jeff, just for us? I'll tell you why. Because I want to make sure that there's no distance between you and Jesus. All that we're doing today is trying to keep you close to Jesus. That's it, everybody. Amen. As your pastor, as your pastor who loves you and, and believes in you, knows that if you get distance between you and Jesus, you are easy prey for the devil. But what I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes it's uncomfortable and sometimes it's not so safe, but you got to step up and you got to say, no, I'm with Jesus. Amen. You, you got to decide, no, no, it's not, it's not yes or maybe or no, no, it's just yes, 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 Jesus, amen? And what I'm afraid of in our culture today is that we're all, we're the comfortable Christians. 
we're the safe Christian. When it gets a little unsafe and a little uncomfortable, then, then we're just going to move over here. But that's not the end time Christian. Because Jesus has got one question for you. Jesus says one thing to you. What is he saying to you, everybody? Follow me. Follow me. Stay close. Follow me. Follow me. The second thing I'll tell you is this. The second thing in, to do in order to, to follow Jesus is this. Number two is get back to your calling. And everybody's got a calling. You say, what is that calling? Well, what Jesus said, he said, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son and daughter. Your calling is about looking at other people and saying, how can I influence them to come to know my Savior? Amen? Following Jesus. Now, Simon, remember his assignment? Well, let's look at it again. In Matthew 4, again, we see what Jesus told him. Jesus said this. Jesus called to them and said, come follow me and I will, I will show you what? How to fish for people. Notice that. He said, I'll show you how to fish for people. And again, Simon, he got off track because he got interested in his own safety, his own comfort, and then that's when he got his life off. And he denied Jesus, by the way. You know that, right? When he, when he did that, he put, when he put distance between him and Jesus, that's when there, a little girl asked him, said, don't you believe it? He said, no, I don't know the man. Finally, the third person asked me, cursed at them, said, heck no, bleep, 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 bleep. No, I don't know him. You know, like some of you talk. Let's say used to, because I used to have a few of myself. They still come to my mind. Amen, everybody? Just because they come to your mind, you don't have to say them. Amen? And so now we see that, that Jesus has died on the cross. He's rose again, and now Simon Peter's repented, and he's preaching. Isn't it amazing how just six weeks ago he was denying, or a few weeks ago, like 40 or 50 days ago, he was denying Jesus, and now he's repented, and he's back preaching to Jesus and about the lost sheep, lost coin, and lost son or daughter. And look what he says here. Acts 2.38 says, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, and what, everybody? Turn to, Turn to God. There's two things you must understand. You have to repent. Listen, you cannot outpray a sinful life. <laughs> Just like, you know, someone told me one time, said, Pastor, you can't, out you can't out exercise a bad diet. You keep eating real bad, it don't matter. You can exercise all you want to. You still go have a chicken coop. <laughs> the same thing with, with sin. You got to turn from it, baby. Amen. The Holy Spirit will help you. You've got to choose to turn. He goes on to say this. Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want to say here before I move on is that we're having baptism next week. Some of you need to be baptized. Matter of fact, some of you need to be rebaptized because you got baptized when you was a kid, but you know what? That didn't take because you went out and done your own thing, act like it wasn't no God, and, and so I want to tell you, come do your first works over. Amen? Amen? And so go ahead on that connection card right now. Go ahead and get that connection card and just check. I want to be baptized and get baptized next week. Don't wait. Just go ahead and do that. Now, you got to hold on with me because the next couple minutes is going to be challenging. 
There's a card inside of your program. It's a white card like this. Just put that at where you can get to it. Just a moment. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. And your friend day card. I did a little research about a ship that was post, supposed to not ever be able to go down. It was called the Titanic. Many of you have heard about the Titanic in the 1900s. The Titanic looked like this. It was a ship that was leaving from England. It was going to go by France, and it was going to end in, in New York City. It was, a, it was a big celebration. It had the who's who on this ship, but it also had common people as well. The Titanic was making this voyage across the Atlantic when it hit an iceberg. And it hit the iceberg in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, things went bad. The ship hit the iceberg, it tore it open, and it began to sink. But it was not, it did not go down all at once. It took it about three and a half hours before it totally submerged. When it did that, when it hit the iceberg, there was a man on there who actually his name was, he was a Scottish preacher. His name was John Harper. John Harper was one of the first ones to recognize that there was trouble. And we know this because John Harper and his daughter, Annie, went up to the, were the first ones to the lifeboat. And he, Annie Harper was the first one that was registered on the lifeboat because John knew that something was wrong. When he knew that the ship was going down, he took his daughter Annie and he went up to the lifeboat and he kissed her. It's documented that he kissed her, he hugged her, and he put her in the lifeboat and said, Honey, I will join you later. And from that moment, John Harper left his daughter with strangers in a lifeboat and he went back on the Titanic and he ran all over the ship and he was banging on doors and telling everybody, listen, the ship's going down. He said, and he said, all of you, all the women and children and all of those who do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, go get on the lifeboats now. And he would run and bang on the doors. He'd bang it on the doors. He would say, listen, women and children and those who do not know Jesus, go get on the lifeboat. And he'd go bang on the door. Women and children and those who don't know Jesus, go get on the lifeboat. Women and children and those who don't know Jesus, go get on the lifeboat. And he went all through the ship telling those women and children and all those who don't know Jesus, get on the lifeboat. And as the ship's going down, panic is happening. And people are in the water now. And what's amazing about this is there are people all in the water and, the, and as the lifeboats go down, this is what's amazing is those lifeboats were designed to handle 70 to 100 people. And in the first several lifeboats that left, there was only 12 to 30 people in the lifeboats. You know what? It was called the second tragedy because there was people in the water when the lifeboats were going down and the people that were in the boats were so interested in their own lives that they ignored the cries of the people that were in the water that were dying and saying, help me, help me, help me, I'm drowning. They were so concerned about their own safety that they just rode past all the noise. See, that's one version of Christianity that's happening today. Is there's those people that said, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm just going to roll right past all those that are dying. As the ship continued to go down, 
John Harper found himself in the water. And it was said of the survivors that they heard a voice that was screaming above all the noise of cries for help, that there was someone screaming, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. It was echoing all across the water. Someone's voice was shouting out. And there was a young man by the name of William Miller. who was 19 years old that was in the water. And he gives testimony that how that the current pushed him up and as it pushed him up, it pushed him up to a man who was shivering and shaking, hypothermia, hypothermia was setting in. And that man was, was John Harper. And he looked at the young man as, he, as he was, that young man was clinging to a piece of material. And he washed up beside him. He looked at him. He said, do you, do you believe it? Do you know the Lord Jesus is your Savior? And young Will, William Mueller said, sir, I can't say that. He said, well, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. He said, the current took him back out. He didn't know how to respond. He said, and all of a sudden, the current pushed him back again. And there was a man, he said, shivering, his voice shivering now, saying, son, do you believe? Do you, are, you, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? He said, sir, I'm not sure. He said, he said that man shivering said, believe, believe, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. And that was the last time anyone saw or heard of John Hart. William Miller was picked up by a lifeboat. The only one to return. And a few years later, they had a survivor's reunion. And he stood up before those survivors and said, the only reason I'm here today is because there was a man that was in the water named John Harper who screamed at me and said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. He said, and, he said, and right there in the water, I believed. He said, and the lifeboat come and got me. He said, what I want you to know is I was saved twice that night. I was saved by the lifeboat, but I was saved by Jesus Christ because a man wouldn't let me die without Jesus. What I'm trying to tell you is that, listen, we're on the Titanic. This world is a titanic. All of us know things are not right. Everybody's asking, what's going on? The world's crazy. Well, the world's going down, but there's a lifeboat. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he's got you, and he's got you, and he's got you, and he's got you. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus Christ, it's a lifeboat. He wants to save you and me. Come on, the rest of you can stand. Listen, 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 listen. Here's a question. If you're already saved, will you be like those on the Titanic that got in the lifeboat? 
and you're just gonna row right by everybody else that's not saved? Are you gonna row right by them and leave them? Are you gonna look at them and say, listen, believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved? Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just wanna say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.